Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of January 21, 2018. The American Printing House for the Blind Museum has rescheduled the National Braille Month and Louis Braille Celebration, originally scheduled for this past Saturday, January 20, to Saturday, January 27. For more details, call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213. The summer will be here before you know it, and with it will come the 57th Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind. We are now learning more about some of the events that will be scheduled at the convention, and this week Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Coordinator, announced the tours that will be held on the closing Friday of the convention, July 6. They are as follows. Visit Hannibal, Missouri, and hear spooky tales about St. Louis on Friday, July 6, during the ACB Conference and Convention. If you enjoy history, Mark Twain, Caves and Boats, be sure to join us for a visit to Hannibal, Missouri, the birthplace of Mark Twain. We'll tour the Mark Twain Museum and meet reenactors portraying Tom and Becky. We will visit the cave featured in several of Mark Twain's books. This is a labyrinth cave and will require an hour of walking. We will have a plated lunch as we enjoy a narrated riverboat cruise. Our second final Friday tour will be dinner at Morgan's Brew Pub for a presentation by Dave Riordan, a history buff and storyteller. Dave will regale us with tales about haunted happenings in St. Louis. For more information, visit the ACB homepage at acb.org and follow the 2018 convention links. There have been a number of interesting and significant articles and press releases recently, and there are so many that we can't include them all. On page two, we're bringing you... On page two, you'll find a new policy announced by Delta Airlines related to what will be required in order for a person to fly with a service animal. We have also included a note from ACB at the end of the article. Last week, in our interview with Ray Campbell about his new job at United Airlines, Ray discussed ways that we can better prepare ourselves for our dream job and the many opportunities that present themselves in our efforts to find work. He talked about internships, scholarships, and other ways to get out and gain education and experience. On page 3 this week, we include three such opportunities. Verizon has announced an internship available in the area of public policy in the Washington, D.C. area. Microsoft announced scholarships for people with disabilities wishing to attend two- or four-year vocational schools and college programs. And Kenneth Simeon, chair of the American Council of the Blind, Derbert K. McDaniel First Timers Committee, announced the availability of five J.P. Morgan Chase ACB Leadership Fellow opportunities for the 2018 ACB Conference and Convention in St. Louis. Check out these opportunities. You never know when one or more of them just might be a great fit for you. ACB, its affiliates and chapters, as well as businesses, civic clubs, school alumni, and more, now use Facebook to spread the word of their activities and projects. On page 4 is an article detailing how Facebook plans to change its news feed to de-emphasize business and publishing posts and increase posts from individuals. These changes may significantly impact who will see our organizational announcements. At the end of the article, the ACB office has included information on how you can be sure to receive posts from the ACB Facebook page as these changes go into effect. The same strategy will also work for alumni, churches, civic organizations, state affiliates, and local chapters, and more. The big talk this weekend is the government shutdown, brought on by the impasse between Republicans and Democrats in Congress. Whether or not the problem is 
solved by the time you read this sound prints. We thought you would find the article on page 5 to be interesting and timely. Find out how many times the government has shut down, when it's happened in the past, and a few details on what is and what is not impacted by a shutdown. And on page 6 is the sound prints calendar. Page 2. The following press release was issued by Delta Airlines on their website news.delta.com and concerns service animals on airplanes. Delta introduces enhanced requirements for customers traveling with service or support animals effective March 1. Atlanta, January 18, 2018. Delta Airlines, New York Stock Exchange, symbol DAL, is taking steps to further protect its customers, employees, and service and support animals by implementing advanced documentation requirements for those animals. This comes as a result of a lack of regulation that has led to serious safety risks involving untrained animals in flight. The new requirements support Delta's top priority of ensuring safety for its customers, employees, and trained service and support animals, while supporting the rights of customers with legitimate needs, such as disabled veterans, to travel with trained animals. Delta carries approximately 700 service and support animals daily, nearly 250,000 annually. Putting this into perspective, Delta carries more than 180 million passengers annually. Customers have attempted to fly with comfort turkeys, gliding possums known as sugar gliders, snakes, spiders, and more. Ignoring the true intent of the existing rules governing the transport of service and support animals can be a disservice to customers who have real and documented needs. Delta has seen an 84% increase in reported animal incidents since 2016, including urination and defecation, biting, and even a widely reported attack by a 70-pound dog. In 2017, Delta employees reported increased acts of aggression, barking, growling, lunging, and biting, from service and support animals, behavior not typically seen in these animals when properly trained and working. New Procedures and Updated Requirements In compliance with the Air Carrier Access Act, Delta provides in-cabin travel for service and support animals without charge. The guidelines, effective March 1, require that all customers traveling with a service or support animal show proof of health or vaccinations 48 hours in advance. In addition to the current requirement for a letter prepared and signed by a doctor or licensed mental health professional, those with psychiatric service animals and emotional support animals will also need to provide a signed document confirming that their animal can behave to prevent untrained, sometimes aggressive household pets from traveling without a kennel in the cabin. These measures are intended to help ensure that those customers traveling with a trained service or support animal will no longer be at risk of untrained pets attacking their working animal, as has previously been reported. Quote, the rise in service incidents involving animals in flight leads us to believe that the lack of regulation in both health and training and screening of these animals is creating unsafe conditions across U.S. air travel, said John Lafter, SVP, Corporate Safety, Security, and Compliance. Quote, As a leader in safety, we worked with our advisory board on disability to find a solution that supports those customers with a legitimate need for these animals, while prioritizing a safe and consistent travel experience. End quote. In developing the updated requirements, Delta solicited the feedback and input 
from its 15-member advisory board on disability, a group of disability advocates established more than a decade ago and composed of diverse Delta frequent flyers with a range of disabilities. Air Carrier Access Act As the Title 14 Code of Federal Aviation Regulations, S382.117, dictates, quote, You must permit the service animal to accompany the passenger with a disability at any seat in which the passenger sits, unless the animal obstructs an aisle or other area that must remain unobstructed to facilitate an emergency evacuation, end quote. However, untrained animals that have been misidentified as service and support animals are regularly reported to occupy seats, stretch across the aisles, and move throughout the cabin during flight, often without restriction. That same regulation also requires that airlines determine whether any factors preclude travel in the cabin by a service animal. Such factors include, quote, whether the animal would pose a direct threat to the health or safety of others, and whether it would cause a significant disruption of cabin service. End quote. Quote, we are committed to consistently improving our policies, prioritizing the safety of all Delta customers and employees, said Laughter. We have received extensive customer feedback through calls, emails, and social posts, many from among those within the disability community, urging Delta to take action. This new policy is our first step in better protecting those who fly with Delta with a more thoughtful screening process. End quote. What customers with service and support animals need to know. Any customer traveling with a service or support animal after March 1 will need to meet the new requirements as outlined below. Traveling with a trained service animal. Customers traveling with a trained service animal will be required to submit a signed veterinary health form and or an immunization record current within one year of the travel date for their animal to Delta's Service Animal Support Desk via Delta.com at least 48 hours in advance of travel. Traveling with an emotional support animal or psychiatric service animal. Customers traveling with an emotional support animal or psychiatric service animal will be required to submit a signed veterinary health form and or an immunization record current within one year of the travel date, an emotional support slash psychiatric service animal request form, which requires a letter prepared and signed by a doctor or licensed mental health professional, and a signed confirmation of animal training form to Delta's service animal support desk via Delta.com at least 48 hours in advance of travel. Delta is creating a service animal support desk for customers traveling with service and support animals to improve their travel experience and ensure they receive excellent customer service. This desk will verify that the above documentation is received and confirm the customer's reservation to travel with the animal prior to arrival at the airport. If a form is not completed, a representative will communicate with the customer via email to request the missing or incomplete items. Delta does not accept exotic or unusual service or support animals. Additional information on types of accepted animals and other questions relating to travel with service and support animals is available. Delta Airlines serves more than 180 million customers each year. In 2017, Delta was named to Fortune's Top 50 Most Admired Companies in addition to being named the Most Admired Airline for the sixth time in seven years. Additionally, Delta has ranked number one in the Business Travel News Annual Airline Survey for an unprecedented seven consecutive years. With an industry-leading global network, Delta and the Delta Connection carriers 
offer service to 314 destinations in 54 countries on six continents. Headquartered in Atlanta, Delta employs more than 80,000 employees worldwide and operates a mainline fleet of more than 800 aircraft. The airline is a founding member of the SkyTeam Global Alliance and participates in the industry's leading transatlantic joint venture with Air France, KLM, and Alitalia, as well as a joint venture with Virgin Atlantic. Including its worldwide alliance partners, Delta offers customers more than 15,000 daily flights with key hubs and markets, including Amsterdam, Atlanta, Boston, Detroit, Los Angeles, Mexico City, Minneapolis-St. Paul, New York, JFK, and LaGuardia, London Heathrow, Paris, Charles de Gaulle, Salt Lake City, Sao Paulo, Seattle, Seoul, and Tokyo Narita. Delta has invested billions of dollars in airport facilities, global products and services, and technology to enhance the customer experience in the air and on the ground. Additional information is available on the Delta News Hub as well as Delta.com. ACB's comment on leadership concerning this press release is as follows. We are in communication with the Department of Transportation and in the coming days will follow up with the membership as we learn more. ACB strongly opposes any policy that creates an undue burden for passengers with service animals. Page 3. On this page, we bring you news of three opportunities. A public policy internship from Verizon, a disability scholarship from Microsoft, and the 2018 Leadership Fellows Awards from ACB and J.P. Morgan Chase. First, the Verizon Public Policy Internship, Washington, D.C., this is posted on verizon.com. What you'll be doing. This internship position, which is part of the Verizon Campus Program, will give you a chance to channel your drive and enthusiasm while learning from the best minds in the industry. You'll be front and center, hands-on and contributing your creative energy to high-impact projects from the moment you arrive through the course of this 10-week experience. You'll take part in meaningful work and real-life projects within the public policy organization that will help you grow both professionally and personally throughout the program. Verizon's public policy, law, and security organization represents and protects the company's legal, security, and regulatory interests at federal, state, local, and international levels. Public policy internships at Verizon provide the opportunity for exposure to federal regulatory affairs, federal legislative affairs, public policy development, strategic alliances and communications. Public policy internships are located in Washington, D.C. In this role, you will work with and learn from senior Verizon policy executives. Analyze the business and policy environment. Work as part of a professional team charged with developing and executing policy campaigns. Witness government in action with opportunities to participate in policy discussions, attend policy forums and hearings, and visit Capitol Hill. Perform research and prepare memoranda regarding issues under review by the administration federal agencies, and Congress. Assist in the creation and implementation of communications plans for internal and external audiences. Become familiar with and participate in Verizon's corporate responsibility initiatives. Learn about the future of the tech industry and help showcase Verizon by working on stakeholder engagement activities in our technology and policy center. Become familiar with policy research tools such as LexisNexis, academic studies, 
oral interviews of experts, legal and political documents, Bloomberg Government, National Journal, Politico Pro, U.S. Library of Congress materials, and other sources as appropriate. Develop your professional network. Refine your written and oral communication skills and learn to create value. What we are looking for. You are a motivated self-starter. Never satisfied with the status quo, you are always trying to beat a personal best. You thrive in a fast-paced environment where new challenges come up every day. You are flexible, dependable, and work well in varying environments. You are coachable and seeking an internship with a desire to learn in a professional environment. You'll need to have current enrollment in a bachelor's master's degree program in public policy, business, or a related major with an expected completion date between December 2018 and June 2021. Even better if you have 3.0 GPA or greater an open mind to the full political spectrum, strong analytical and project management skills, demonstrated writing and editing skills, demonstrated leadership skills and team orientation, strong verbal communication and presentation skills. When you join Verizon, you'll be doing work that matters alongside other talented people transforming the way people, businesses, and things connect with each other. Beyond powering America's fastest and most reliable network, we're leading the way in broadband, cloud, and security solutions, Internet of Things, and innovating in areas such as video entertainment. Of course, we will offer you great pay and benefits, but we're about more than that. Verizon is a place where you can craft your own path to greatness. Whether you think in code, words, pictures, or numbers, find your future at Verizon. Equal Employment Opportunity We're proud to be an equal opportunity employer and collaborate our employees' differences regardless of race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, age, disability, or veteran status. Different makes it better. For more information, visit www.verizon.com slash ab slash work slash jobs slash 242825-public-policy-internship. Next from the ACB Leadership list posted on January 17 comes Microsoft Disability Scholarship from Microsoft.com. The Disability Scholarship at Microsoft delivers on the mission of Microsoft's Cross-Disability Employee Resource Group to empower and enable people with disabilities. This scholarship enables high school students with disabilities to go to college and target a career in the technology industry. In addition, we hope to contribute to increasing the pool of persons living with a disability, enrolling in higher education, and in the long term, decrease the unemployment bias for this demographic. This scholarship will be awarded to promising high school seniors who plan to attend a vocational or academic college and have a financial need. The amount of this renewable scholarship to be awarded is $5,000 per year, up to $20,000. The scholarship is paid through the Seattle Foundation on behalf of the Disability Employee Resource Group, ERG, at Microsoft, to the recipient's school's financial aid office. Requirements. To be considered for the Microsoft Disability Scholarship, you must be a current high school senior with living with a disability as defined by WHO, whether that be visual, hearing, mobility, cognitive, speech, or other disability. Plan to attend an undergraduate program in a two- or four-year university or college or technical college in the fall of the academic year following high school graduation. 
schools must be in the USA or have a USA affiliate for financial transactions. Contact Seattle Foundation to verify non-USA schools' eligibility. Declare a major in engineering, computer science, computer information systems, law, business, or a related field, such as paralegal, pre-law, finance, business administration, or marketing. Demonstrate a passion for technology. Demonstrate leadership at school and or in the community. Have a high school cumulative GPA of 3.0 or higher. Require financial assistance to attend college. Enrollment status must be full-time or half-time. How to apply. To apply for a Microsoft Disability Scholarship, print and fill out the application from the Microsoft website. Enclose it in an envelope with the following items. Resume. Your resume should include the following information. Extracurricular activities, school and community related. Honors and awards that you have received, if possible, include awards that are technology related. Work experience. A picture of yourself, optional. Transcript. Include an official sealed copy of your current academic transcript. If selected, unofficial copies will not be accepted. Three essays. In no more than 500 words, describe how you plan to be engaged in the technology industry or technology law or policy in your career. In no more than 500 words, please share your vision of how Microsoft can innovate its future devices and services solutions to creatively and successfully support those living with disabilities in the workplace and in daily life to reach their potential. In no more than 250 words, demonstrate your financial need for this scholarship. Two letters of recommendation. At least one letter must be from a faculty or staff member at your school. Letters of recommendation should be original and should not be duplicates of college recommendation letters. Letters must be on letterhead. Complete application form. Fill out the entire application form at the end of this page. You can type the information or print clearly. When you are done, print sections 1 and 2 of the application form and make sure that you sign and date the verification on the fourth page. Mail completed applications to the following address by March 15. Selection will be complete and those selected to receive the Microsoft Disability Scholarship will be notified by April 30. The address is Seattle Foundation Attention Scholarships, 1601 Fifth Avenue, Suite 1900, Seattle, Washington, 98101. The email is scholarships at seattlefoundation.org. For more information and to read this information online and find the application form, visit https colon slash slash www.microsoft.com slash en dash us slash disability slash programs slash Microsoft Disability Scholarship dot ASPX. And finally, posted on January 11, is an article from Kenneth Simeon, Chair of the DKM's Committee in ACB, entitled, Applied to Become a 2018 ACB and J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Propel to the next level. Apply to become a 2018 ACB and J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Seeking positive change in 2018? Think about it. It's a great time to personally advance to a higher plane. You, ACB, and J.P. Morgan Chase could be the winning combination you have been searching for. Leadership Fellows are seekers of rewarding opportunities. Therefore, for the third consecutive year, 
J.P. Morgan Chase will provide full access to the ACB conference and convention for five ACB members who have demonstrated leadership abilities. Get connected with previous classes of leadership fellows who have had the experience of a lifetime while meeting other members and active leaders from around the country. By attending the 57th Annual ACB Conference and Convention in St. Louis, Missouri, as a Leadership Fellow, you will be introduced to Tools for Success through participation in informative workshops, seminars, and leadership development sessions that are sure to prepare you to serve well in future leadership roles within ACB, your local chapter, and your state or special interest affiliate. To be a qualified applicant, you are required to meet specific criteria, including but not limited to the following three elements. 18 years of age or older, blind or visually impaired, an ACB member in good standing. Eligible, eligible participants must be endorsed by the president of their state or special interest affiliate. The application process for this award also consists of submitting two letters and participating in a telephone interview with a team of DKM committee members. The applicant's letter will include the objectives in applying for the leadership award, a brief summary of your education and relevant experience, number of years of membership in ACB, as well as previous conventions attended, if any, description of one's role as a leader, and examples of what you bring to ACB. Be sure to add your full name, physical address, telephone number where you can be reached, and your primary email address. The Affiliate President's Letter of Recommendation should address the applicant's contributions to the affiliate, ACB, and community organizations, and describe the applicant's demonstrated leadership skills and leadership potential. 30-minute telephone interviews will be scheduled for mid-April. All recipients receive round-trip transportation, hotel accommodation double occupancy, per diem stipend for meals and incidentals, convention registration fee, and reception and banquet tickets. Recipients are expected to attend the convention from the opening meeting Saturday evening, June 30, through the Thursday evening banquet, July 5 and to participate actively in all designated convention activities, including the daily general sessions, special interest presentations, seminars, and workshops. Send application documents to Kelly Gask in the ACB National Office, kgask, G-A-S-Q-U-E, at acb.org. Deadline for receipt is April 3. Apply today. Don't be late. Selected awardees will be notified during the latter part of April. Questions regarding the application process and required documentation should be directed to DKM Chair Kenneth Simeon, S-E-M-I-E-N, Senior. The email is S-E-M-I-E-N at sbcglobal.net. Other beneficial information will be shared once your application has been received. Page 4. This article was posted on ACB Leadership on January 18 and is entitled, What Facebook's News Feed Change Means for Users and Businesses. This is from CBS News and ACB has further information at the end of the article. In coming days, Facebook users will see fewer posts from publishers, businesses, and celebs they follow. Instead, Facebook wants people to see more stuff from friends, family, and other people they are likely to have meaningful conversations with, something the company laments has been lost in the sea of videos, news stories, real and fake, and viral quizzes on which Big Bang Theory character you are. Here are some frequently asked questions about what users and businesses might expect from the changes. Why is Facebook doing this? CEO Mark Zuckerberg 
has been doing a bit of soul-searching about the negative effects his company may be having on society and its users' psyches. He's come a long way since November of 2016 when he dismissed the notion that fake news on Facebook could have influenced the U.S. presidential election as a pretty crazy idea. Now, it's his personal goal for 2018 to fix the site and weed out hate, abuse, meddling by malicious nation-states, while also making it more meaningful and less depressing for users. While he acknowledges that Facebook may never be completely free of malign influences, Zuckerberg says that the company currently makes too many errors in forcing our policies and preventing the misuse of our tools. The company also faces pressure from regulators in the U.S. and abroad, and a growing backlash from academics, lawmakers, and even early executives and investors about the ways in which social media may be leaving us depressed, isolated, bombarded by online trolls, and addicted to our phones. Facebook would much rather make changes on its own than have its hand forced by regulators, or to see disillusioned users move on to other, newer platforms. How will it affect the company's business? Facebook's stock price dropped almost 6% last Friday morning before regaining some ground. That suggests investors take Facebook, FB, on the stock exchange seriously when it says the move will likely make users spend less time on its service. Less time, of course, means fewer advertising eyeballs at any given time. This is a huge shift for Facebook, which until recently has been laser-focused on keeping users glued to the service by offering a bevy of notifications and engaging but low-value material. Facebook has been doing very well financially. Its stock hit an all-time high earlier this month, and the company's market value is more than $522 billion. Its quarterly results routinely surpass Wall Street's revenue and earnings expectations. So, arguably, the company can afford to shift its focus a bit away from quarterly profit gains and metrics like user engagement that get advertisers salivating. Zuckerberg already signaled this would happen late last year when he said the company's planned investments in preventing abuse would hurt profitability. While the changes could crimp Facebook's business in the short term, happier users could make for better profits over the long term. At least, that's what the company hopes. Is this the end of brands and publishers on Facebook? Many news organizations, bloggers, and businesses have grown reliant on Facebook to spread information, articles, videos, infomercials to their followers without paying for ads. The changes could jeopardize that route to their audiences, though some speculate it could be a ploy to force these companies to buy more Facebook ads. According to Rick Edmonds of the nonprofit Pointner Institute, Publishers that rely on Facebook as their primary source of traffic will be hurt the most by the Facebook news change, as will sites that invested heavily in video to attract users. News sites have been expanding beyond Facebook by working with Google News or Apple's newsfeed, among other alternatives, according to Edmonds. Critics of Facebook have long argued that users create echo chambers or filter bubbles of like-minded people whose views are reinforced by their friends' posts on the platform. Won't this just reinforce the filter bubbles that trap users among the like-minded? Do you enjoy arguing with people you disagree with? Maybe, maybe not. But Facebook's goal is to make people happier using the site, not to expose them to opposing views. So yes, this is possible. 
That said, the company says this is how people make friends and interact with each other offline. We gravitate toward people like us, and Facebook says its own research shows that users are exposed to more divergent views on its platform than they would be otherwise. Of course, this is difficult to verify independently since the company doesn't often show that data to outsiders. Are people really going to spend less time on Facebook? Admitting that its changes will likely reduce the time people spend on Facebook was a big deal for the company. Video, especially, has been a big focus for the social media giant, and videos have been especially good at keeping users around. This latest move, however, will de emphasize videos too. While it's too early to tell what users will do, there's little reason not to trust Facebook on this particular question. Will the changes make people happier or sadder? The jury is still out on how seeing mostly exuberant posts from friends and family affects people over time. Facebook obviously believes most of its users enjoy keeping up with what's happening in their social circles, even if the material being shared mostly revolves around parties, vacations, and other fun times, while omitting life's inevitable challenges and tedium. Sharing these moments together, Facebook reasons, deepens the connections between people, even if they can't always be together offline. But some research and anecdotal evidence suggests that Facebook can make people feel isolated, inadequate, or alienated as they experience a phenomenon known as fear of missing out, or FEMO. Teenagers are particularly prone to Facebook depression as they try to measure up to and fit in with their peers, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. But other researchers believe that how people react to Facebook depends on their personality. If you're prone to anxiety, insecurity, or already unhappy with your life, then seeking other people, having fun, can deepen your feelings of missing out or being left out. If you're confident and content with your life, then seeing a friend or family member with a smile on their face could make you happy too. A recent article in Perspectives on Psychological Science concluded that already lonely people who use Facebook and other social media as a substitute for real-life relationships tend to end up feeling more isolated. But when Facebook is used to deepen friendships that have already been struck and to forge new relationships, the social network helps people feel less alone. ACB's comment on this article is as follows. Facebook is making changes to their news feed, showing users fewer news stories by publishers and businesses that they follow. However, there is a way to make sure that the ACB Facebook followers still see our headlines. By clicking Follow on our Facebook page, you can select the option to See First. You also have the option to set up notifications so that you never miss a post. Visit the ACB Facebook page at facebook.com slash American Council of the Blind Official. That's A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Note. This tip would also apply to other organizational pages that you follow, such as the Kentucky Council of the Blind, the KCB Next Generation page, and the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision page. Page 5. What happens during a government shutdown? Seven things you should know. This article is by Jennifer Earle and was posted on foxnews.com, published January 21, 2018. Note, we're not including the first part of this article that includes uh, information on what Congress actually is doing over the weekend. We thought that you might enjoy some of the history about government shutdowns and also some of the information about what happens. 
Fox News asked Mark Goldwein, Senior Policy Director of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a bipartisan nonprofit organization that educates the public on fiscal policy issues, to explain a government shutdown, and he answered seven basic questions about the process that Americans should know. What causes a government shutdown? A shutdown occurs when Congress and the President fail to sign into law 12 appropriations bills, which determine spending for specific government agencies in order to continue providing funding for government operations. How can you prevent a government shutdown? To avoid a shutdown, members of Congress can give themselves an extension, known as a Continuing Resolution, CR. The temporary funding measure keeps the federal government open and allows lawmakers more time to negotiate the remaining appropriations bills. Quote, the bar for a CR is pretty low. You're not agreeing to anything new politically. It's a no-brainer, end of quote, Goldwine told Fox News. That's exactly how the government has been operating since October 1. Funding has been extended twice since then. The House and Senate approved a temporary spending bill on December 21, and Trump signed the measure to keep the government funded through January 19. With the frequency of CRs, Goldwine says he doesn't anticipate a government shutdown. Quote, I expect as long as we can, we'll continue at least kicking the can with a CR, Goldwine said. He added that he was, quote, not saying it won't happen, but it's almost always in everyone's interest to keep lights on rather than to shut the government down, end of quote. How long does a government shutdown last? As long as it takes. Congressional leaders from both parties have to reach an agreement to fund the government. It usually takes a weekend for this to happen. Quote, we're talking days or weeks, not months, Goldwine said. The federal government would be forced to shut down, quote, non-essential services. Who would be affected? Quote, essential staff at top-level agencies would continue working, but most federal employees whose jobs aren't vital would likely be sent home, Goldwine said. For example, those who work at national parks, monuments, and museums would be told to go home. It doesn't feel awesome to be told you're not an essential employee. It's a little demoralizing to go home because you're not important, Goldwine said. In the 2013 shutdown, roughly 850,000 employees were furloughed per day, according to the Office of Management and Budget. But not everyone is required to take unpaid leave. The president presidential appointees, and members of Congress are exempt. The Postal Service, the TSA, and air traffic control will all continue business as usual. Americans will still be able to get their Social Security and Medicare benefits and food stamps. However, people expecting VA benefits, unemployment benefits, farm subsidies, and tax refunds may experience delays. Do federal employees still get paid? Most likely. The problem, they're not sure when they'll get their money. Everyone loses from the government shutdown. An employee loses their paycheck at the time he or she needs it, Goldwine said. Ultimately, we're going to fund it anyway. It's kind of silly. Federal employees typically receive back pay shortly upon their return. And Goldwine says, nothing is certain. Every agency has their own contingency plan in the event of a shutdown. How many times has the government shut down? Including Saturday's stalemate, government has shut down 19 times since 1976, the year Congress introduced the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act, according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget's Research. Half of the shutdowns occurred over a weekend. Before 1980, the government didn't really shut down, Goldwine explained. A lot of others were over the course of weekends. I call them fake shutdowns. Goldwine says there have really only been three significant government shutdowns in the history of the United States. 
Two occurred during the Clinton administration in the winter of 1995 to 1996. Former President Bill Clinton and the Republican Congress were at odds and shut the government down for a total of 26 days, Goldwine said. The third occurred during the Obama administration in 2013, when a stalemate between the House and Senate led to a 16-day hiatus. How much money can the country lose due to a shutdown? The 16-day government shutdown in 2017 cost the country $24 billion of lost economic activity, according to an analysis from ratings agency Standard & Poor's. The payroll cost of furlough employee salaries alone, that is, the lost productivity of furlough workers, was $2.0 billion, the Office of Management and Budget reported in 2013. Goldwine said shutdowns waste money more than they cost money. We're not going to spend more money. We're just going to spend it on worse stuff, he explained. Instead of paying employees to work, we're paying them not to work. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille, to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org lt. Page 6, The Sound Prince Calendar. January 24 is the Bluegrass Council Support Group meeting in Lexington from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. RSVP or for more information, call 859-259-1834. On January 25, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m., This is a great activity for those who are experiencing vision loss or who have had low vision for several years and have questions about how to handle life with low vision. It's at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On January 26 is the Statewide Rehabilitation Council meeting at the McDowell Center in Louisville. The meeting is from 9.30 to 2.30 p.m., Committees begin meeting at 9.30 with the full meeting of the Kentucky Office for the Blind, SRC, beginning at 11.15. For more information, call Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754. January 26 is also a GLCB roundabout. iPhone tips and tricks, genealogy, and other individual activities, 3.30 to 5 p.m. The tip sheet from 5 to 5.30 page turners where you can share a good book and the meeting of the tri-state library users from 5 30 to 6 dinner five dollars per person from six to seven and word games and other games and crafts from seven to ten at united crescent hill ministries call 502-895-4598 in louisville on the calendar for february are the following events On February 1, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its next conference call. This is a monthly meeting where it's your opportunity to share activities from your local Lions Clubs. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. The meeting is at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On February 2 is the GLCB quarterly meeting. Doors will open at 3.30 p.m., Bargain table and registration at 4.30. Program and speakers, 5 p.m. Dinner at 6, followed by business at 7. All activities will end by 8.30. The cost is $5 per person. 
On February 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its monthly committee meetings. 7 p.m. is advocacy, 8 p.m. education, activities, and technology. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On February 6, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next monthly meeting on the conference line at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. Open to anyone statewide who is experiencing low vision. Bring your questions, comments, and tips. February 8, Cooking Class with Tess Flynn, 1 to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. RSVP at 859-259-1834. Also, on February 8th, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next support group meeting in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call 895-4598 for more information. On February 8th, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m., the telephone number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. On February 9, GLCB will hold its next roundabout, individual activities from 3.30 to 5, discussion time and tip sheet 5 to 6, Dinner, 6 to $7, $5 per person. Bingo, $2 per person. And cards and crafts from 7 until 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On February 10 is the next GLCB board meeting at 11 a.m. on the conference line at 605 605- 475-6006, enter code 294444. On February 11, KCB Next Generation for the under 40 age group will meet at 8 p.m. by telephone. This is their regularly scheduled monthly meeting and it's at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On February 24, Landscapes for Your Fingertips. 10.30 to 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. Use textures, shapes, and layers to add depth and movement when creating tactile artworks for new and remembered landscapes. Taught by guest artist Jennifer Palmer. At the APH Museum, free but best for adults and children 8 and up. Registration is required. Call 502-899-2213. February 24 to 27 is the ACB Mid-Year Meeting in Alexandria, Virginia. February 24 will be the ACB Board Meeting. February 25, the Affiliate President's Meeting. February 26, the Legislative Seminar and Training. And February 27 is Capitol Hill Day. For more information, visit the ACB website at www.acb.org. And looking ahead to the summer... The 57th Annual ACB Conference and Convention will be held from Friday, June 29 to Friday, July 6 in St. Louis, Missouri. It will begin with a visit to a Cardinals baseball game and end with lots of history with Mark Twain and in Hannibal, Missouri. For more information, visit the ACB website at www.acb.org and listen to sound prints from many convention features in the coming months. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.